Hello and welcome to the HR Sucks podcast, where we'll get down to the good, the bad, and the crap of workplaces today. I'm your host, Katrina Gazarian, and today, today we're bringing sexy back for the environmental industry. We are joined by Keith Sampson, president and CEO of SRP Environmental. SRP Environmental is a multidisciplinary compliance-based environmental health and safety provider serving a diverse group of industries. SRP Environmental has made the Inc. 5000 list on several occasions, moving progressively up the list year over year. They were featured company in Inc.'s 2019 edition where Inc. wrote, their commitment to effective and efficient solutions has led to longstanding and growing partnerships, which is the norm at SRP, a norm that has helped them open 18 locations nationwide and serve over 6,100 clients. Keith, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I imagine um, probably at the time that was written at 6,100, I imagine you've seen a lot more growth over the last couple of months. And we've been fairly busy, especially with all that's been going on. So it's, uh, it, it's been interesting to say the least. Tell me, tell me why, I mean, being in the environmental safety industry or environmental industry, um, it's not as sexy, right? As, as technology or, you know, pokey bowls. Um, but how do you feel um, with, you know, give, given that we're in this, you know, current pandemic with COVID-19, why is a company like yours so relevant and so necessary today? Well, I think uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, it would be that we are very diverse in our customer base. Um, we do work with everyone from oil and gas, manufacturing. Uh, we do a lot of medical healthcare facilities. Uh, nursing and long-term care uh, facilities. Um, and so all of those people, regardless of what industry they're in, they're impacted in some form or fashion you know, by this COVID-19 crisis. And a lot of people are leaning on us and asking us, you know, what, what can we do to keep our employees safe? How can we best go about disinfecting our buildings and um, you know, promoting a safe and healthy workplace? Um, I guess the second part of that would be Again, it's diversification. We don't just do environmental or industrial hygiene or safety. We, we do all of them. So we're dealing with everyone from EPA to um, FDA to OSHA, uh, you know, state and local regulatory agencies. And uh, there's just a lot of people out there that are so, you know, overwhelmed and confused by all these, you know, different recommendations and regulations. And so, they kind of depend on us to give them a, a roadmap or, or kind of you know, light the way to, to the best outcome for them. Taking it back a little bit, what made you get involved in this industry? Um, we started out, or I started the company in uh, 1996 in Shreveport, Louisiana, and it was we were mainly doing environmental. But as we got into the environmental field more and more, there's so many uh, clients out there that they would be in compliance with the environmental side with one agency and another agency would have a very similar rule that they weren't in compliance with. So then when we looked at it, really, you know, things like Department of Transportation and OSHA and uh, having EPA and then the local regulatory uh, or state regulatory agencies, uh, it just made more sense to be able to offer compliance in all of those areas. 
Got it. And let's take it even further back. How was that born? Um, when I was, uh, I was in college, I, I had a, uh, I went, got my undergraduate degree in uh, toxicology. And then I got a, a degree in environmental planning and management and kind of went from there. Okay. What keeps you, I guess, what keeps you driven? I mean, I, I imagine that there's a lot of exposure, not just for you, but for your, you know, employees as well and, and learning how to handle these and being on site and doing that. What keeps you, what's your mission? Well, you know, it, I think any consulting firm out there, regardless of what you're doing, you're, you're into the, um, you know, you're in the business of solving problems for people. And so that's really what it comes down to. And there's so many businesses out there that we, you know, are, are trying to protect their employees uh, even before this COVID crisis and are trying to operate and, you know, and, and still be profitable and trying to grow. And with all the regulations out there and, and you know, especially in light of what's been happening the last few months, they're just really, um, you know, looking for guidance and, and trying to do the best thing so that they can keep people working, but also be able to protect them. I think, you know, the work that you do has always been important, but obviously now you kind of have more of um, the mass media and your mass population of people considering it important. Why do you think it took something like this for, for the general population to finally understand how important it is to take these safety precautions and these measurements. I mean, we, you know, I've watched documentary after documentary of these, you know, environmental uh, uh, contaminations from these companies and these factories. And, you know, you, you hear about these people getting, you know, sick and cancer and diseases um, from all of the contamination and pollution. Why do you think that it took something like this for people to finally understand how important it is, how important your work is specifically? Well, I think before you had certain groups that were very aware of, you know, exposure risks. And now if, if you're living on the planet, <laughs> everyone <laughs> basically has an exposure risk because, you know, COVID-19 is, is so infectious and it, it's, it's spread so quickly. And I think it's a, it, the fact that it's impacting everybody right now is creating a lot more awareness. Um, I think it's human nature. If you see something happen to another person or another group and it's not necessarily affecting you directly, it doesn't create as much awareness for you or you don't have it impacting you in every aspect of your life as when it's impacting everybody, including yourself. So that's, I think that's the big difference. Right. Got it. So 18 locations, how many employees do you have? We have um, probably close to 70 to 75 with our part-time people. And then we do a lot of uh, catastrophe response work. So during like hurricane season, uh, we'll staff up to three, 400 people. California's wildfires, when we, we staff up. It just depends on the situation. But I would say, you know, most of the time during non-catastrophe work, that's kind of where we are. Do most of your positions, um, like the titles of your, of your employees, is it mostly, you know, like credentialed environmental safety kind of people who are pro professionals in that field? Or is it 
the administrative support. What, what, when you say you ramp up to 300, 400 during hurricane season, what types of professionals are you hiring at that point? We're usually hiring people that are field technicians and uh, people who have had experience with dealing with water damage or fire damage, um, destructive you know, assessments from hurricanes, tornadoes, things like that. But overall, I, you know, we do have a, a tremendous number of people that are in our company that are credentialed. Uh, things like a, you know, asbestos uh, certifications in multiple states, uh, lead certifications, certified industrial hygienists. Uh, you know, there's just there's a lot of different uh, opportunities out there in this field. Um, we have people that have, uh, you know, the water restoration. Uh, certifications. Uh, we put a lot our people through a lot of training and <clears throat> some of these people will have a degree coming into the company. Uh, sometimes people finish their degree while they're mm -hmm. working for us. But I've also had a lot of people who didn't have a degree or didn't necessarily have a background uh, you know, in the field who just really had a, a, a drive to learn and mm -hmm. you know so they end up being some of your best people as well. Um, they, where we, you know, train them. One thing I did learn when, when I was in college, I, you know, you take all the regulatory, you take all the classes, and then you get up in the real world, and you feel like they didn't really train you for the day-to-day -day how to do it. And um, so you kind of had to learn that on your own. And so mm -hmm. you can learn this industry if you have, you know, an opportunity where people, you can work under people who know what they're doing. That's so good to know because I guess in my, you know, well, we all have our, our um, opinions or when I hear like environmental company and just the specifications and specializations that you're in, I think, oh, you have to have a degree in order to work in that field. Um, so I think that's good to know because that, I think that tells people, especially, you know, people who are listening that there are other options and there are opportunities in an industry like yours that is booming right now. Um, and so I think it helps, you know, give people a little bit of hope of understanding that you can leave the restaurant business, for example. Um, and if you're a proven hard worker and you're willing to learn and adapt, you can, you can take on another specialty. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, and if you are, it really comes down to being willing to learn and having a hunger to, to, uh, take on new challenges and, uh, it goes back to, you know, I said our, our, our customers, our clients are looking at us to solve problems for them. Even within a company, if you are running a lot of projects, in my opinion, the valuable people are the people that can solve your problems as part of your team so that you don't have to. And it just, it makes things go so much better. Uh, you know, we, we, you mentioned earlier uh, about the, how things are now and creating more awareness um, and before COVID-19, the environmental industry in worldwide, really, but especially in the U.S., has been growing rapidly. Um, and I believe that you mentioned Inc. 5000. Um, there's the article they did on us. Uh, one of the sources said that the, in the next, you know, by 2025 or something like that, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the U.S. environmental industry, just not, that doesn't include safety or industrial hygiene. Uh, was going to grow to like 47.5 billion as an, as an industry. I, I would suspect that that's going to be even higher now. Well, sounds like you're in the right place right now. 
Yes, it's it, it's a good place to be in. But you know, the same as other companies. I mean, we're, our our business has been affected by COVID as well. We have some industries like, and because of our clients. I mean, if you look at oil and gas right now, uh, the, the price of oil has dropped, you know, to a ridiculously low price. So we're not obviously doing as much work there. Um, manufacturing plants, some of them have been shut down, so we're not doing as much work there. But then it's been way more than offset by the amount of work we're doing uh, with customers and clients that need assistance with um, protocols for disinfection for COVID, uh, testing, uh, you know, supervision of, of the, the cleaning and disinfection process. So it's, uh, it's kind of been a mixed bag, but at the same time, it, you know, we have one side of our business that is, you know, really booming even more so than the other side has been decreased. That's good. I mean, it shows, it's kind of proving that com that concept of diversifying your, your Absolutely. income streams, right? Um, do you do the hiring yourself for your company? I used to. Uh, I really try to leave that up to my, uh, the people that are running offices for me. Um, and, you know, we recently went to a slightly different concept where if it's going to be a, what I will call a, a corporate person, that is going to be really serving all of the interests of you know, our various offices. I would say that uh, you know, we, we've kind of moved toward where we're going to have a group, a group input on the selection of any new hires from a, from a corporate standpoint. But within the offices themselves, I, I really try to have a hands-off approach and, and trust people to uh, go ahead and hire the people they need to hire uh, if someone came to me today and said I need to hire five people I would probably ask why but at the end of the day I have to trust that they're going to know you know why they need them and that's that's why they're in the position they're in so that makes sense do you have um, favorite questions or these knockout questions that you tell you know these hiring managers to make sure they ask no I, I don't have favorite ones uh, I, I've I've seen some examples that I've tried out a few times myself and I've shared it with people. Uh, one of my favorites, and I, and I apologize for, I, I would like to give the person credit, but there's somebody, um, I just don't remember who it was, but they would, one of the things they like to do is take somebody to breakfast mm -hmm. and they purposely tell the, the uh, server to mess up the person's order and see how they react. And I thought that was, a, you know, an amazing, uh, way of just kind of seeing how somebody reacts when things don't go well and how they treat other people. So I've shared that with some of my people, but for the most part, I think, you know, depending, we have some offices that are heavily geared towards environmental, others that are more balanced with a little bit of everything. And then some are more geared towards safety and industrial hygiene. So it really depends on the type of person they're hiring, I think. And, uh, you know, we want to have people that are, going to be able to grow with us and, and contribute and you know are going to be able to think outside the box is what we're so you're saying for. so you're saying if i apply for a position i'm going to get a free breakfast possibly yeah <laughs> <laughs> let me know which offices are using are using that strategy right now <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely uh, let you know <laughs> what what have you, what do you feel has been the most challenging part about managing employees? Well, you know, my background is in science. It's not in HR or, um, you know, dealing with, 
the regulate, you know, we deal with regulations all the time for customers, but when it comes to HR, that's another ever changing environment. And so just kind of keeping up with the laws and the, and the regulations and trying to, you know, learning to document things properly. And uh, that's one of our, has been our biggest struggle too, because we're so busy doing the work and, and trying to take care of our customers that I think sometimes your biggest weakness as a company can be the, the back end, uh, you know, procedures and policies and trying to get standard operating procedures in, in place. Um, you know, it's, I had a phone call with one of my office managers about three months ago and the question come up, don't you think we should have a standard operating procedure for that? And I was just stunned. I was like, why haven't I thought of that? So it's, right. you know, I mean, you can, you can get so wrapped up in what you're doing that you, you know, can't see the forest for the trees, so to speak. So it's good to have people around you that are, are looking at things differently and not just necessarily going to agree with you but maybe, you know, at least bring, bring up other ideas. Do you feel in your opinion, I mean, when you bring up, you know, just making sure you're compliant and understanding all of the regulations, do you think that the agencies that publish this information, do you feel that they do a good job letting businesses know like, hey, we made this change. This is what you need to do. This is what it means. This is how it impacts you. Or do you feel like it, it's just confusing and, and it seems very um, complicated and complex to understand? I, I would say, I would compare it to the environmental health and safety regulations for our customers. They're very, if you ask most of our customers, they're just confused, they're overwhelmed. There's, there's so many different intricacies and variables involved. Um, I would say for us, it's the same way. The, there's, there's just so many different regulations out there when it comes to you know, workplace, uh, policies, procedures, and, and you know, requirements, what you're supposed to do, uh, things that get triggered after you have so many employees, um, what the exceptions are. Uh, for example, the, the HR law that they've been working on you know, for labor as far as overtime for salaried people. Um, you know, we had to really look at that. Uh, and there's, there's just so many choices. So I would say that would be the latter. Uh, is, it would be very confusing and I don't really think that they do a great job of directly sending information to the employers. Most of the time, at least I, I can only speak for me, but most of the times when I read about something, it's me looking at an article or um, subscribing to a particular uh, resource that maybe sends out information, depending on our you know, accounting and, and attorneys, things like that. But as far as the government agencies themselves, I don't think that there's a great um, you know, method of communication to, to businesses. No, I agree. I was, somebody had asked me, um, you know, because I am considered maybe more on the controversial side of HR. Um, and they asked me, do you feel like there's just too many regulations when it comes to HR and employee management? And, and I thought about it and, it, and I feel it's not that there's too many regulations, but they just do a terrible job communicating what the actual regulation is. And then they do, like you mentioned, a terrible job, um, you know, communicating it to all of the small businesses. Like, you, you know, just like an example you gave, like, I shouldn't have to hear about a new law being in place by my insurance company. 
I shouldn't, right. you know, I, I shouldn't have to hear about this from a lawyer or I should be hearing about this from an actual government agency that, you know, wrote or, or mandates these regulations. And I think that's probably um, been the big key factor in our, you know, HR business is making sure we are getting the information out and that the information is clear and that you can follow the process in order to integrate it into your own business. What um, pet peeves do you have? Or do you, you know about employees in general? Do you just have these things that they do that drive you up the wall sometimes? Yeah, there's there's there are several. Uh, like one thing is just not following policies and procedures, and um, no matter how well written, in my experience, no matter how hard you try to cover all the bases, you're always going to find that one employee that is going to try to push the envelope and find the gray area. <laughs> And uh, it just it creates such a headache and it's, it's not productive. Uh, so I, I think that that's definitely one of my pet peeves. Uh, I think, you know, another pet peeve would be the fact that you get employees that, you know, they, they just don't interpret things necessarily the way it's, you seem, it seems like it's very clear and, and they're interpreting it a totally different way or in their head, they maybe come up with some, you know, rationale for, you know, why they're doing something instead of just following the, you know, the, the rules like everybody else. Uh, turning in receipts, receipt management, um, you know, all these things that you can't really necessarily bill for or don't, they're a necessary part of the business, but it just eats up all your time trying to deal with these things. Got it. And do you have, or, or tell me the craziest employee story that you have? Oh, there's, there's been a couple. <laughs> um, so we do, we do a lot of hurricane, uh, work. And Don't we, say hurricane Katrina. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. No, no, this, this, uh, this was in the last couple of years. Um, and we do what something called moisture mapping where you're trying to find the amount of moisture in drywall versus flooring versus concrete or cinder block. And porous materials like uh, sheetrock and drywall, you know, th those are going to come out if they're wet. But other things are dry in place. And so we have this, these color codes for uh, what to do that we paste on the rooms, we put, or we put up on the rooms. And each of these uh, maps, they're, they're, they're called moisture maps, the contractor looks at them. And if it's a certain color, they remove a certain amount. If it's a different color, they dry in place. Well, we had some employees that went out and measured an entire warehouse and they put all of the cinder block and the, uh, you know, the materials that should be dried in place, they marked it to be completely removed. And of oh, course no. the, con the contractor looked at the maps and called us and said, you're asking me to knock this place to the ground. <laughs> so that oh, was, a, my yeah, that was, that was, a, that was interesting. Um, the one other one I would say was, maybe even more interesting is we uh, have a, had a project where we were doing work exposure monitoring for a defense contractor who had a lot of explosive materials at their facility. In fact, they had these large hills in between the buildings where if one building were to explode, the other one would you know, be protected. And um, after leaving the job, the employee 
drove to the New Orleans airport and not even thinking, had not taken their shoes off or anything. And so they had explosive residue all over their clothes. So, uh, needless to say, they didn't make their flight. So it was- No, it was, I, uh, I don't, I wouldn't <laughs> think so. It was, it's kind of funny looking back now trying, you know, when they're trying to explain something like that, but it's, you know, it's, it's you just wonder, you know, what could have been done differently and you try, you know, go ahead and try to learn from those things. That's what, that was going to be my next question is what, what do you, what did you learn from that? Was there a breakdown in communication in these two situations or what do you think happened? I think in the first situation, uh, you know, typically what you have in, I think in any company, uh, you have your A teams, your, you know, and you, you're going to have some B teams out there. And when, during a hurricane, when you're spread so thin, sometimes you get customers that are just begging you to help them. And you're like, I really don't, you know, I don't know when we can get to them. They're like, just get me somebody. And so um, I think you got to do a better job of letting them know, look, I'm going to get you somebody out there, but they may not be the most experienced and, you know, that kind of thing. And that's no fault to the employees. I mean, it's just that they weren't, uh, it's kind of my fault for putting them in a position where they probably, uh, I, I, I hadn't seen the facility. I thought, it, to me, from what they were describing, it seemed very simple. Um, so that's part of it. But it, again, when you're working 18 hour days, seven days a week during hurricane season, you get fatigued. People just, you know, make mistakes and that kind of thing. In the other situation, um, the employee was actually not supposed to fly out. They were going to be going back home. So it wouldn't have been a big deal. And then another job came up, they got redirected. And I just think that was a one. I don't know how you would have really prepared for that. I mean, I don't think anyone was really thinking about, hey, make sure you change your clothes, leave those clothes in your vehicle. Um, they literally went from the job site where, you know, everyone's surrounded by this residue to two hours away to an airport. So it's just, you know, crazy things happen. Is it in your notices now? Like if you work on this, this kind of job site, make sure you don't go to an airport right after. Yeah, well, yeah, all of our industrial hygienists know to make sure they're, if they're on a, you know, facility like that, that they're not going to go ahead and fly, at least, you know, make sure they change their clothes and, um, you know, preferably try to, you know, shower and get all that material off. You know, it's just, or you're probably going to miss your flight and it's going to create a big old, uh, you know, commotion at the airport. For sure. Yeah. So you've, I mean, you've been in business now for what's 24, 25 years at this point? Yeah, 1996. So almost, almost 25. Almost 25 yeah. years. What is the number one thing you attribute to the success of SRP Environmental? I, I think we touched on part of it earlier was the, the diversification is certainly, uh, you know, a, a big part of it. I actually had a customer who, who used to manufacture a product and they sold their company for like $50 million or something like that. And they made this one or he made these one or two components really well. And uh, he really liked what we were doing, but he kept telling me, you just, you do too many things. You do too many things. And I just, I disagreed with him. <laughs> I'm glad we did because right now, if we were just in one business, it, it, I think you're really limiting yourself. So I think diversification has a lot to do with it. I think the fact that the, uh, the environment, of, of what we do, uh, the regulatory environment especially drives a lot of things. Uh, companies don't necessarily have a choice. They have to, there's certain things they just have to do, whether it's OSHA or it's, you know, EPA. Um, 
And I guess I know you said one thing, but I, I, it's kind of a, these kind of go hand in hand. Uh, I guess the final thing would be I think, surrounding yourself with, with good people and, and, and letting them, you know, do what they do best. And uh, I think surrounding yourself with people that may be smarter than you in certain areas, I mean, you should never be threatened by that. Yeah, that's, the, that's the way, that's Why? the way I look at it. No, I completely agree. Why would a, I, you know, I, I, I imagine with the growth of your industry, it's also going to be um, probably more congested and more competitive. And so there's going to probably be a struggle for talented, uh, talented professionals. Why would a talented professional choose to work for your company um, over working for competitors, for example? Well, one of the things I think we offer that's a little different with our business model is that if people are willing to, you know, put the time in and, and learn not just one aspect of our business, but several, they've, and, and this has happened on several occasions. I mean, of our offices, I think six or seven of them right now are staffed by people that used to work that, that started at the bottom and now they're running offices and, you know, they get a very large revenue share from that. So uh, I think the opportunity for, for growth is there, personal growth, professional growth, the opportunity to really, you know, the sky's the limit if, if they're just willing to put the time in. I mean, I've had a person that worked for me in our Louisiana office and during a hurricane in Florida, he's like, I want to run a Florida office if we ever open one. And literally about a year and a half later, we did. And he's the one running it. Well, wow. He made that in a what is it? Uh, what do you call it? When manifested, he manifested yeah. his future. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> where, where can listeners find you um, and any open positions for SRP Environmental? Um, you would go to our website, which is srpenvironmental.com. Um, also, I, I believe uh, on, we have a LinkedIn account that they can go to if they just look up SRP Environmental, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I think those are probably the easiest places to find us. Uh, but if you go to our website, there's there's a there's a form on there, and also the, you know there's an 800 number, and then there's a, a map that you can you can click on uh, locations and contacts, and it will have numbers for the various locations and contacts for that. Awesome, awesome. So, well, Keith, thank you so much for being here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I wanted to thank everybody who is listening to this episode. You can find us on Instagram at HR Sucks. Um, we don't have very many followers, so you'd be considered a founding follower at this point. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a beat. HR Sucks, we know, but having explosive residue all over you and possibly being blown up on an airplane sucks even more. Thank you, and I'll catch you all later on the next episode.